What is going on, everybody? And welcome back to the STL Tones podcast, Behind the Tones. I am joined by none other than Josh Middleton of Silosis and Architects. Josh, what's going on, man? Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Looking forward how's, to it. Uh, how's everything going out over there in the, in the COVID world you're living in? Yeah, it's okay. I can't complain. Um, I, I have a one-year-old, well, my daughter turned one in uh, during this whole period back in April, actually. And uh, that it was just a bit of an adjustment for me because normally I'm, you know, in here working all day or on tour or whatever. And, and since like, we couldn't go anywhere, I was like, oh, I really need to like, you know, focus on dad life and that kind of thing. So that kind of, mm-hmm. it's great. I've had loads of time with her, which I wouldn't have had before. Um, but it's, it's kind of challenging to keep a one-year-old entertained when you can't go anywhere <laughs> or leave the house. But, but anyway, That's yeah, it's true. been great. It's been really good. Yeah. So I can't complain. Awesome. Awesome, man. Uh, You know, just kind of to plug this real quick, the reason we're, uh, you know, talking to Josh, aside from the fact that he's a great guitar player and he puts out great records, is because he uh, has just recently put out a preset pack with STL Tones, um, which I I have already had the pleasure of working through. And it's absolutely insane, man. If you like high gain tones, this is just like candy land. Um, Can you talk us through a little bit about how you uh, kind of, I mean, first of all, 95 presets. Good Lord. That's uh, it's pretty. I think that's the biggest preset that I've at least gone through. Uh, can you talk us through a little bit about going through the, uh, you know, kind of making those tones? Yeah, yeah, it is quite a lot, but I, uh, I always want to like, you know, leave no stone unturned. But uh, yeah, I, I do a bit of production. I engineer um, a lot of the guitars when we do recordings, and I mix the latest Solosis record. So it's kind of a. Uh, an area that I really like, you know, nerding out on. I love guitar tones. I've always been into production. Um, I'm especially a really big fan of producers or engineers like Colin Richardson and Andy Sneap. And I've always kind of, I, I've got to a point now where most of the music that I listen to, I listen to it for the production. Like I'll be cooking and my wife will come in the kitchen and be like, why are you listening to this? You don't like this band. I'm like, no, no, but it sounds great. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I'm I'm just really into uh, production and stuff, and uh, I I you know always chasing like the best possible tone, and I really want to get tones that require little to no processing if I can if I can get there. So I have one of the best things I've got in that regard in the re- in recent years is the Dynamount microphone stand, which uh, if any listeners aren't aware, it's kind of a robotic stand that kind of moves on an axis and you can control it via an app and you can hone in on like the exact microphone placement that you want and that is uh such a huge part of guitar tones i think younger players don't really realize that amps are really cool but most of the tone is going to come from the speaker and the cab and the mic placement so uh getting that was really cool and uh yeah I'm, i'm just always chasing chasing tone so uh I, and I just wanted this plug-in for my own benefit, really. I have a home studio, which I'm currently in, which I have amps and cabs. And I'm able to make loads of noise and capture tones, but I don't have a separate live room. So it's annoying for me to have to uh, record myself if I've got an amp in the same room. It just doesn't work. So kind of selfishly, this plug-in is just ideal for me because I can use all my amps and cabs. Uh <laughs> And I've got every bass covered. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and uh, thank you for that, because now we can too, man. I, I uh, 
I, as we're speaking, the video hasn't been posted, but by the time they see this, I'm assuming that this is going to be the video that I made for is actually going to be posted. And it's one of the longest videos that I've made for the Closer Look series that we do where I just basically go through and show everybody the tones, the raw tones coming out of the guitar. There's no, obviously, there's no production there. It's just me plugging in and playing. And it yeah. was so many to keep going through that. It, it's like it's like 18 minutes long. And that's condensed. That was like, because right. every, yeah. I was like, at the end of it, I sat there and I just kind of looked at the camera and I was like, look, call me biased, but there's not a bad preset. Like, obviously there's going to be some presets that are kind of geared a lot more towards, you know, production and mixing and things that don't necessarily sound, you know, pleasing right away. It's going to work more than it's going to sound good. But every one of these presets, whether if it was bottom right position of the speaker or top left, they just sounded, they just sounded great, man. It's so, I mean, me and Sonny were just like, uh, just fangirling over the whole thing through messaging. Oh, I was like, dude, this is this is my favorite pack to come out. I'm a high gain, like just I, it's it's my thing. So it's absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, that that's uh, yeah. Th- I I kind of did my own uh, video for it today for my own YouTube channel, and uh, yeah, I, there is a bit of option paralysis when you've got too many <laughs> options to choose from, which isn't really a bad thing. Um, but yeah, like. Choosing one side of the speaker to the other side of the speaker or different speakers in the same cab can have such different sound. And uh, they all sound good. And I always just like enjoy having all these tones. So yeah, I, I definitely want to make sure that there's variety, but not at the expense of variety without like losing the quality control and that kind of thing. So uh, Right, yeah, so I'm, talk I'm me glad through a little it. bit. Of, I think, yeah, no, for sure, man. I'm super, super into it. Um, so talk me through a little bit about how you ended up kind of really getting into amps and cabs. Like, obviously, you have a very wide collection of amplifiers and I'm assuming cabinets and, and microphones. And what kind of started the love, the, you know, to be an enthusiast for, uh, you know, for gear? Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that must have really kicked in around in the early 2000s uh, when... I got my first ever proper amp, which was the PV Triple X. I still have one. It's not the same one. But um, yeah, I, I just remember just looking on the back of all the albums that I like the sound of and just seeing these names, Andy Sneap and Colin Richardson. And uh, just like found out Andy Sneap had a forum. I used to go on there a lot. And yeah, just really get into gear and stuff. And, and that was really the only place for, for a lot of players back in the day where like you would kind of, meet other people you know into this kind of new heavy production so even like misha from periphery was there nolly was on that forum uh Ola England was on that forum yeah I mean, Ola was on that yeah everyone so was, many everyone people was on still that reference that forum I, wa- I want a time machine man so that i can go back yeah. and somehow enter it and i'm assuming i would be a, a successful something in music today like you guys are some sort of producer one way or another if i could just go back in time and enter that forum at that time because it was it, like it was place so useful yeah so useful for um for that that period of time when there wasn't YouTube wasn't really what it is today by any by any means. So, uh, yeah, I, I was, you know, I kind of stuck with the limited gear I had for a long time. Uh, and I'm at a position now where I'm fortunate to have had either endorsements with certain companies or discounted rates. Or To be honest, a lot of the stuff that I have here, like, is secondhand. Like, the 6505, I picked up for, like, £250, which is very cheap. And it's, like... That is cheap just one of the best sounding amps ever so uh yeah i i've got um i don't know how many heads one two three four five six seven and i borrowed a few to make the pack as well off a friend 
and I've got about five different cabinets. But yeah, cabinets is where it's at for me at the moment. That's kind of, I, I, I kind of know what I like in terms of amps, and I'm, you know, in some form of fifty-one-fifty, whether it's the PV or the EVH, is going to sound great. Um, but yeah, cabinets and speakers from different years. Either either that they've like changed the way that vintage thirties were made, like when they switched production to China and they made them differently, or uh, even if they've just been broken in a bit more and they're a bit darker. It's kind of yeah, ultra nerdy at this point, but um, <laughs> yeah. But I I do feel like I've kind of I don't I don't have any desire for any more gear to be honest. Like a fifty one fifty, I'm just always going to go back to it. But, uh, yeah, right. I hear that a lot. What about uh, what about in terms of uh, pedals? Are you kind of a pedal geek at all, or you just kind of got a few that you use? Uh, yeah, the, I mean, so basically, like as you said, my pack is kind of just geared towards high gain tones. There's not really, there's not a variety of like, there's no crunch tones really. There's a few clean tones, but the main focus is just high gain metal tones uh, for any any kind of genre. I I. Obviously, I play in Architects and Silosis, and both bands, Architects, we go down to a low F sharp. Silosis, we play in E standard. But for the most part, what I'm looking for tonally is the, is always the same, it's just a good mm-hmm. even mid-range. And the only thing that changes for the tuning is uh, how tight it is on the front end, so the pedal aspect. So uh, I have a few pedals, um, but I always go back to just the Maxon OD808, just like a really basic <laughs> tube screamer. I have... A bunch here. I've got the fourteen uh, thirty-three. I've got the uh, uh, the Precision Drive. I've got a Max and OD eight two zero VFE Focus. There's yeah. There's there's loads, but the my favorite is the eight zero eight always. But uh, yeah, I got this uh, this guy right here. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you've probably had that one for a long time, huh? That's your. <laughs> oh, I'm missing knobs. You know what the cool thing is is that ever since I showed this on my YouTube channel and it missing knobs. People have actually offered to send me knobs, and uh, I've just <laughs> nice. literally I've I've been so lazy about it that I haven't like said yeah send me some knobs because I feel like the work would be more I'll just lose them again so I was like yeah, oh, there's no yeah. point but that and I don't use it I, I I I kind of resigned myself a while ago to leave it up to the professionals like you guys to make me some sick plugins and then I just <laughs> worry about it that way I have an amp and I have a cab and I, it's embarrassing so I don't even I don't even turn them on anymore because it's. <laughs> it's just it's too loud i can't use it so I, I use the plugins but um so cool man uh so in terms of like the disconnect between uh you know nobody focuses on cabs anymore right everybody thinks that it's the amp because it's you know amps are just much you know more fun cool you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah it's a sexier thing to to focus on and cab is just this big heavy box nobody wants to move around but um what's what's your go-to cab to use uh an oversized Mesa 4x12. Um, I've never really enjoyed smaller cabs, like 2x12s. They always kind of just sound a bit more boxy or lacking low end. Not that I want like tons of low end, but um, it just, I don't know. I, I guess I just have favorite guitar tones that I've always loved on like my some of my favorite records. And uh, most of the time, it's always going to be an oversized Mesa Boogie cab. Um, I do have a Marshall as well, which has got some vintage 30s and T75s, but it doesn't get as much use. But um, yeah, like like you said, the cabs are just not as fun, but 
you'd be so surprised at the difference between different cabs. Like, I mean, if, if you switch out a head through the same cab and the same mic placement, you can get them sounding really similar. But when you switch out a different cab and a different speaker, especially if it's like a Mesa cab versus a Marshall cab, the difference is huge, way more than the amp is in that scenario. So, uh, it's, yeah, like you say, it's nowhere near as interesting, but it if you really are kind of chasing tone, paying attention to, to cabs and speakers is kind of a necessity. I think people are finally starting to kind of get that. I think there's still a big disconnect as far as like the, you know, the majority of people, but I think because impulse responses are becoming such a big, you know, part of plugins, I think they're finally starting to understand that when you switch out that impulse response, it completely changes the tone as opposed to changing, you know, whichever amp you happen to have chosen in that plugin suite. So I think yeah. that's definitely helped educate people. Um, so you've, you've kind of garnered this reputation of being the guy who took standard tuning and made it, uh, you know, just really heavy and made people listen to it and not even know that they're listening to a guitar that's in standard. Uh, what was, tell me, what was, what was kind of the idea behind keeping it all in standard and not, you know, drop tuning or, you know, going down to C? Um, if I'm honest, the, we started doing that in 2006, I think. And it was kind of like a knee-jerk reaction to like metalcore was getting. It had already been around for a while, and it kind of getting was getting a bit boring. And then deathcore was coming in, and you just had just these two big waves. And nothing wrong with either genre, but two big waves of genres where like everyone was just emulating the same thing. And I was just like slightly sick of it, even though I still like loads of bands from both genres, and just wanted to separate ourselves from that and just do our own thing so uh i just grew up loving and justice for all and it was mm. i had guitars with the floyd rose and it was annoying to not be able to play along to that record so i was just like you know what we're just gonna play an e standard and i'm just gonna we're just gonna not play breakdowns anymore we're just gonna be like a traditional kind of more thrashy band and uh yeah i think it helped set us apart in many ways and yeah, it really makes you focus on the riff because if you play in like drop A, you can get away with a riff that tonally might sound a bit crap if it was an E standard. You know, a lot of bands, <laughs> if they're doing like either chromatic riffs or they're kind of in key but not quite in key, it can sound a bit weird. So it really makes you focus on the riff and think of other ways to be heavy. So uh, yeah, it kind of just stuck with us. And more recently, we've switched down in Silosis to D standard which is probably my preferred tuning, but um, yeah, we're, we're still playing all the old stuff in E, but um, yeah, it was, it was kind of cool to be one of the few bands playing heavy music in standard tuning. But loads of the stuff I grew up listening to, like Injustice for All or Arise by Sepultura were in standard, and yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah, I'd imagine you guys are, are standing alone, whether you're playing an E standard or almost anything standard now, everything's drop one way or another, right? I mean, everything's drop D, drop C, it's dropped one way. You know, and yeah. whatever tuning it happens to be. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I can't think of any bands off the top of my head. But um, in Architects, actually, they they had C-sharp standard for some songs, which was kind of cool. But the tunings in Architects are crazy. The, the main tuning we use, which Tom came up with back around 2009, was uh, like a... Sorry, you can probably hear my daughter 
having dinner now. She's screaming. Oh, it's um, okay. I've got like, <laughs> construction guys here banging away at my house. I have my dog downstairs yeah. who's whining because he doesn't want to be alone. It's chaotic here too. Don't worry <laughs> about it. But yeah, so the the weird architects tunings, there's C sharp standard and then the low string goes all the way down to a G sharp. So when you play a power chord shape, it's an octave. And then there's another tuning where that G sharp goes down to an F sharp. So the bottom two strings are both F sharp, but they're an octave apart. So it's that's almost like an eight string low note, but we're still on a six string. So it's uh, wow, it's very weird, and it definitely makes you approach writing riffs in a different way. But it that again has given architects a really distinctive sound because the G sharp tuning when when you chug just the low two strings open, they are uh, they have this really weird sound. It's like a it's not a power chord. So mm. when whenever we chug on that, it just instantly sounds like architects because it's like a, a minor seven power chord kind of thing. So uh, yeah, that that really set architects apart as well, I think. And obviously, I've only been in the band since uh, doing Holy Hell. Um, but yeah, we we use all those same same tunings. Are you guys are you guys using like twenty seven inch scale guitars, or are you guys just using really thick strings? How are you guys holding those tunings uh, on a six string? Yeah, a bit of both. So I have a baritone. I don't really like playing them though because I just don't like how long they are. I don't like them. So either, I, yeah. I have a, a custom shop ESP which has an Evertune bridge and it handles it fine. As long as you set it up right and you've intonated it. I, it, it's just, I, I like digging in hard and I was finding, even on the baritones when I first started playing with Architects, if you, and with like a gauge 72 on the low string, if you pick too hard, it's going to go sharp. So I can set the Evertune up to just not bend and mm. not go sharp so I can really dig in. Um, but yeah, I'm still on a 25 and a half inch scale, which is not ideal, but I've never had tuning problems with it. And I track like the record with it. So That's interesting. Yeah. That's super interesting. I have a Solar that has a an Evertune bridge on it and I, I'll never go back if I could just somehow magically put those on every one of guitars that I have <laughs> I would it's just so convenient yeah but again it's that thing of like if you want to change the tuning it's kind of like oh I'm stuck yeah, it's not going to happen in yeah. a way I mean I do yeah. it but it doesn't stay in tune yeah. at all yeah, yeah. So, what what are you doing now to keep busy musically? Um, are, are you are you mixing records for people? Are you currently recording anything? I know you just released a record in twenty twenty, the beginning of twenty twenty. So, uh, what you know, what are you doing to kind of keep your musical mind at bay? Yeah, um, I've been writing a lot, um, which is something that is just a constant for me. So, like, whenever you know, if Architects finish a record or Solosis finish a record, it, it's never like okay, so I'll have six months off or not write. I'll constantly write all the time mm-hmm. um i kind of view it like uh, spinning plates i'll just have maybe 20 songs like projects in cubase and i'll just chip away at each one every day and i'll, I'll open if i'm if i'm not vibing off something or i have nothing to contribute to that one i'll just stop and work on another song so i never really feel like i have a writer's block but some songs i can write and start and finish in a whole day some songs i can like it'll take me months and months and months till I finish them. Or there will just be one thing that I need to, like, I just need one riff that I can't get or something. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm constantly writing. So I've been doing a lot of that. I've been obviously working on this pack during lockdown. Um, I've been making some of my own content for it as well. And yeah, I've been, yeah, a few other projects. 
Um, yeah, so v- very busy the whole time, for sure. Right. Nice. So a question that I just personally have for you, because I, I kind of experienced the same thing, but it's not with audio recording. It's with, so as a guitar player, right? So obviously we all started playing guitar and it leads you into other things like amps, caps, recording, becoming essentially your own recording engineer and producer. Which one do you have a passion for now more? Are you a guitar player or are you a recording engineer? Um, I kind of have moments where I go between the two. I, I definitely really, really, really enjoy the recording engineer side of things. Uh, and mainly just for my own amusement, like just trying to get better at mixing or just trying new tricks or trying different snare samples, that kind of thing. Um, so that's something that I spend a lot more time doing, but I still am finding, yeah, I, I like like practicing guitar. I have a really cool, uh, one of those just small Boss Katana Air um, mm-hmm. practice amps with like the wireless thing. And I just use that in my lounge in the evenings and I'll just run scales and try and work on, you know, technique and stuff. So I, I do still practice, but um, audio engineering is more, yeah, exciting to me. I, I have no like real desire to be like any better than I am at guitar. Not that I'm, you know, as, as good as I could be, but um, it's not something that I'm really focused on, like showing off and trying to be the fastest or anything it doesn't appeal to me. Like, I just want to make sure that my solos are interesting and and unique and like tasteful. But um, my focus, yeah, I just love audio engineering and Again, like just it's like more of like a hobby as well. Like I do do it for other bands and I do it for my own bands, but it's just uh, it's just so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally feel that because I started uh, obviously I play guitar and it's kind of what you know got me into all this stuff. But then I started making videos and then I started editing videos and now I really just consider myself a guy that makes videos who happens to also play guitar and like I only <laughs> like. When I play guitar the most when I have to make a video because I have to literally, if I could find like a buddy and have, and I'll tell him, Hey, listen, I want to practice making this type of a video. So learn a song and we're going to film like a cover. So if I can get another player in here to either write something or cover something, I don't even want to be in the videos anymore. I just want to focus on, on shooting. And that's why I just, I, I can, I can totally identify with starting off as one thing. And I have no desire to get any better at guitar or practice or do anything with that unless it involves filming right so i'd imagine sometimes when you're playing you must be thinking ahead right you must be like oh this is going to sound good in production as opposed to you know just the sole idea of of a riff because i think in terms of video i'm like how's this going to look when i when i what's the idea behind the video the theme for this video you know i'm not even thinking about the riff that i'm playing anymore that to be honest that's actually something that i forgot which leads goes back to what you asked me earlier about how i got into like production side of things and i to be honest the the real answer that I actually forgot is that uh, I got into production because like I back in I don't know when we started doing demos and stuff first off I had a four track that I just <laughs> used to record but um local studios so there wasn't anywhere locally or anywhere that we could afford to make a good sounding metal demo so I'd rather try and figure out for myself so the first two solosis EPs that we did which were just demos initially but then we released them was just me learning as I go just like well I could either spend some money on some equipment for myself and just I know what I'm after even if I'm not going to nail it 
or we can give that money to someone else and we'll only be in the studio for like two days with the money that we have and it'll sound terrible because mm. you know a huge part of uh, production and making stuff sound good is the playing has to sound good because if you have the best tones it doesn't matter because if your playing isn't you know great then uh, the, the whole thing suffers so uh, yeah I kind of got into production as a necessity because it I didn't trust anyone else I mean there was no one else locally that we could afford that could get us to sound good if you know if you want to send out a demo to a label you want it to sound really good and then uh, yeah I just want my demos to sound great so when I present something to the rest of the band they can get excited by it because if you just come to the practice room with a riff just like and you just go oh check this riff out everyone could be like no, that sucks. And then be like, wait, wait, but just listen to it in context. When right. it comes in out of this transition with this drum part underneath <laughs> it, and like with hopefully something that resembles decent production, like hopefully like that'll get the band excited about it. So uh, that's kind of how I go into it, really. What's up? What's your process for recording when you're doing a Silosis record? Are, are you just in your home studio recording your parts by yourself, or do you have somebody come over and engineer while you record? I'd imagine because I mean takes are just can be brutal when you're trying to nail something. Can't imagine having to constantly hit record, pause, hit record, pause on yourself. Uh, I I do record myself for Architects and Solosis now. Um, mm. I actually think it's easier. I think I'm quicker because I know exactly what I'm listening for, as mm. performance wise. And if I'm just there, I I think I'm I'm it's quicker. But yeah, it it kind of is tedious. But uh, I I can condense it down now. But um, yeah. So for solo the Solosis record. We did uh, drums at a studio called Middle Farm in Devon. I've seen that. Where, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really cool studio. Um, and Architects did drums there as well. And the guy, the engineer and the owner of the studio, Pete Miles, I just sent Ali goes down there with Pete. I didn't even go down. <laughs> they track all the drums. And then, yeah, for the most part, I'll track at my home studio. And, uh, and I'll reamp later usually because I can't do it through like a, a full setup but yeah now i've got the stl tone hub thing i can just kind of just track through that and have all my tones i think right. a, a huge thing for me as well and what i enjoy about having this pack is i i don't uh there's no pleasure or reward for myself personally if i'm using someone else's tone mm -hmm. uh, I, there's something about capturing it myself that i really enjoy so even if like my favorite engineers like put out a pack it'd be great, but I wouldn't want to use it because I like to chase it myself, I guess. Right, yeah, I'd imagine. I, I think, you know, 90% of us aren't going to know what that feels like because it's so, you know, the I feel like the age of physical amplifiers and cabs and microphones and all that stuff is really just kind of ushering itself out as far as we're concerned because they've given us such an avenue now where we're living in apartments or we're living in houses where we can't be loud, we can't do anything. Now that plugins yeah. are readily available and they're getting so much better, you know. Yeah. I mean, like I, I have a cab; it's sitting back there. I haven't moved it like in forever, and I have a, I have a, uh, an amplifier. I bought an MT15, a PRS MT15, and it, I, I bought it, and it was like one of those things where it was COVID, and I just wasn't doing anything, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna go down to the store, and I'm gonna go pick up one of these amps, and it's gonna keep me busy for like a month, you know kept me busy yeah. for like six hours <laughs> and then <laughs> and then i got i got tired of it because i was like every time i want to turn it on i got to put it on top of the amp i got to plug it in i got to like you know go close a bunch of doors and try to figure this out and try to figure out the volume and play or i could just plug it in my interface and i could just jam right here with a cool tone and focus on you know what i'm playing so yeah exactly yeah for sure yeah 
and it's it is great to have like having a really good tone is also especially one that you can get so easily accessible like through a plugin is definitely more inspiring when you're writing because if it feels really good and sounds good it's so much more inspiring to like come up with ideas if you're really enjoying the tone whereas if you have something that kind of just is okay and doesn't make you feel like inspired and energized then your writing can kind of suffer for it at least for me when you want to sit down and just play when you're just like not recording anything or you're not necessarily writing when you're just going to play for the sake of playing what what, what do you plug into um yeah i just have that practice amp in my in my lounge and i just sit in front of like netflix and i'll just put something on and i'll just i was gonna say i've run scales but i, don't, I probably don't run scales but I'll, I'll just work on licks and it's usually just alternate picking stuff and just make like i'll yeah. just try and write something hard that's maybe got string skipping in it or like that forces me to pick in a annoying way um, a lot of the time I'll just write uh, exercises or licks if I've, if I've got an area of my playing that's kind of weak or that I want to focus on then I'll just write something that has that in it and just yeah do it that way I, that's like something I used to do when I was a kid like I'd find like the dexterity between my index finger and then my ring finger and my pinky finger or like just going between pinky and uh, ring finger was like not great so i just write loads of licks that just repeated that until yeah so anyway i I just kind of just do that kind of thing or i'll just play the same symphony x thing that i play all the time (laughs) (laughs) you know there's not a lot of people that can say they play a symphony x thing all the time i i don't know how well i play it i just play the intro to uh a song what's it called inferno uh off the odyssey and like that's just really fun to play and it's just I, I'm my main focus for when I practice is alternate picking everything because I really like the sound of it, especially like when I'm soloing. I don't really, I just want it because it sounds so aggressive, especially if you can keep like the pickup to the uh, the bridge pickup. Sometimes the neck's a bit more forgiving, but I want to make sure that I can do like, yeah, I don't know. I so much alternate picking in our music in terms of like riffing and and that kind of stuff, and sometimes riff technique and lead technique kind of the lines are a bit blurred because some of our riffs are kind of I mean if they're on the high strings it'd be like a lead thing so uh, right. they, they both help each other out I mean for the most part most of my playing is rhythm playing yeah see I'm a I'm a I'm a, leg, I'm a legato player so I, I don't I don't I don't do that alternate picking thing that you're talking about I don't know what that stuff is I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean to be honest I the, the one for me is uh hybrid picking that I see people doing or economy picking and I I'm terrible at them so I just haven't bothered uh I've just I just know that I like the sound of alternate picking and there are players that can do yeah crazy legato uh yeah well legato or economy picking or the hybrid stuff and I can't do that at all so uh yeah everyone has (laughs) their own little lane (laughs) yeah I can't I can't alternate pick to save my life I try and I can probably do it for like I don't know six notes before i get off track and it just sounds like mush so i just i i don't know it's one of those things i never sat down and decided i was going to devote a lot of time to to develop so yeah. now my, my now my playing suffers for it because i can't uh, i can't <laughs> alternate pick anything i did a cover of uh ola a song from ola england i did a cover when he when he released a solo record i, I covered one of his songs oh, cool. and like the beginning of it starts off with this run that he alternate picks all the way to the top and i i legato it and but 
when I recorded the video, I kind of moved my hand in a way that it looked like I was alternate picking it and I thought I got away with it and I didn't because he did a video. <laughs> he put a video out saying, you know, oh, it's me comment, like me reacting to people covering my songs. Like that's the video that he put out. And yeah. the first video he highlighted was mine. And I, the song begins. And then when I go off to the top of that run and I'm thinking I'm getting away with it and he says, oh, I alternate pick that. And then he just like moves on to that. I was like, oh, what a subtle burn. Yeah, like, straight oh. away. The first thing. Oh, the first thing he and he noticed it. I was like, oh, man, I, I thought I was a lot slicker than I was. Apparently, I, did, I didn't get away with it. Oh, man. What are you playing on, on like with your guitars these days? What's your go to? What, what do you pick up first? Um, I'm very fortunate to be endorsed by ESP. So I have a few. Um, I have some Horizons and the M2 guitars. I have this custom shop one, which has got that's the Evertune on it. Um, so that's this is for architect stuff. So that's got a uh, that's in G sharp tuning. Uh, and then yeah, I just have a bunch of. Uh, I have a couple of M2s, which have like the Fishman pickups, and this one's in E for Solosis stuff. For the most part, if I'm writing for Solosis, I'm in uh, D standard now, and yeah, I, I'm. I've just got like six guitars in here that I use. Um, there was this Instagram tunings. thing that you put out a long time ago. And I used to like, I used to replay it like religiously all the time. And it was really short, but it was this lick. It was like a, it was like a, a, a sweeping thing. And it was over like a very dark sounding background. I don't know what it was. And you were using the silver. Oh, yeah. And it was just uh, sick. Yeah. I used to replay it all the time just to go watch it. It was a long time ago though. The one I'm thinking of was like pre-Silverburst. I thought that might have been on my old Gibson, but that I did a uh, yeah. Could like have been a, on the Gibson, sweet, but I thought it was a Silverburst. But I, I did like a sweet picking tutorial on YouTube that was uh, the intro that I did for that was it's key changing, so it's like mm -hmm. goes from one minor chord to like another one, which is kind of like a typical black metal kind of sound. Yeah, so that, that sounds if, huge if you, and dark. If you think it sounds really dark, yeah, it's probably that's probably the one I'm thinking of then, yeah. So it's like the, yeah, yeah. So that that must be quite old then. That's probably about five years ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Oh, okay. that I used to watch it. I, st I okay, still, cool. I mean, I, I remember it obviously. I used to, I used to watch it all the time. I haven't seen it in a while, but I knew that it was just a long time ago. But it was such a sick, sweet pattern, and it sounded like over the key change that you did. It just sounded so insane. I was like, how does this like guy just exist? Like, how are you like just sitting there playing this stuff? It was nuts. I mean, it probably took me a few takes to record that. <laughs> you just saw the the final finished product, but um, yeah, no, I, I that's the only other thing that I really put a lot of focus on. So it was alternate picking and uh, sweet picking. What was your and what was your education for that? Were you the, were you the type of person that that just took lessons, or did you just kind of learn everything as you went along? Did you do exercises and that was it? Or yeah, I started having lessons when I was nine, and like on an acoustic to begin with uh, and I had lessons the whole time uh, I had a great teacher um, called Nick Hollings uh, who I used to I went to for about three years and uh, the, the main thing for me was just getting the modes down just the theory behind them as well because it took me so long to actually understand how to apply them uh, I, used, I used to just practice them like just going up one scale and then down the next one and up up to the octave and i just used to use that as a an exercise and it was a really good way of like syncing both hands and picking every note 
But yeah, it took me a, a long time till I actually got my head around how you apply them and the theory behind it. And once you know how to, you really understand the modes, that's so much theory. It just like opens up for you. Um, and that, but that's all I really ever uh, got into. And yeah, I used to, I used to practice like sweet picking and, and stuff as well. But weirdly, I was never into shred guitar. So I get loads of people going, oh, what's your favorite? Malmsteen or John Petrucci or whatever, <laughs> like all these players, and I have nothing against it, but it, it was never like um, musically like stuff that I would listen to. Like I was mainly into Metallica and stuff, and when I was a kid, I was just into like punk and and skateboarding. So like I kind of almost view, I see similarities between getting good at guitar with skateboarding because that just like accomplishment of like landing a trick is like the accomplishment of like nailing a lick, playing it really cleanly. So, right. but I, I was never like, oh, just want to go listen to players just going. <laughs> but I, I enjoyed like the, the level of accomplishment I got from it. So I just ended up incorporating those kind of solos into our music. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like sweet pick. And I, I always used to try and do it in a way that was kind of, hypnotic and like make these loops like the the solace song that we're mostly known for is one called imperial which has this like thing that just like loops over and over again it's more like something like a harp would play as opposed to just going and just sweet sweet picking so i'd like to try and outline interesting chords or key changes and that kind of thing with arpeggios or another band i really liked um demi borgir who was like black metal and there were these really cool like keyboard parts or like piano parts and string stuff that were helping to outline and show where all the different chord changes were going. Um, and I didn't ever want to like incorporate synths into my own music or anything. So uh, I just ended up getting into arpeggios just to outline chords and that kind of thing. But yeah, so I, I get so many pl- people asking me like, oh, what do you think of this album or this? What's your favorite song by this band? I'm like, I have no idea. I just... I just listened to like Metallica and like loads of thrash. <laughs> yeah, who were who were the guitar players that you looked up to most? Who, who was like the so the guitar players that you were just like, you know, that you just looked up to the most? Um, I think my favorites as a kid, like obviously James Hetfield and like rhythm playing's super important. But I was also into, you know, like when I was really young, that was when Slipknot were coming out. So mm-hmm. Mick Thompson and Jim Root early on were like two players. I was like, oh this is sick and you know again they were really focused on like rhythm playing and they'd always be going on about like how they downpick everything um so yeah those were like the first guys that i got into and then obviously dimebag and pantera um and the only like foray into like shreddy guitar i got was like i had my friend had this one symphony x album the odyssey and that's like the only one that i ever like listened to but i'd when I heard that, I was like, oh, cool, I'll, I'll check this guy out. And, like, he's an amazing player. I love his playing. But um, that's, like, as shreddy as I got, really. I mean, like, he's a super shredder, though. Like, that's – he's, like, one of the best in the world. But, uh, but yeah, for the most part, most of the music that I listen to is, like, you can probably see there's a no, – I'm going the wrong way. That's what I keep doing. There's a Sepultura yeah. Arise poster. I love, uh-huh. like, a lot of the old school uh, death metal and the band death. Uh, huge influence on me. Having said that, the whole time, uh, especially when Solosis was breaking through, we we're like really just trying to like hone in on that metallic, you know, straight ahead metal thing. And mm-hmm. there's there's kind of like a, especially back in the day, like 
metal fans didn't want anything metalcore. Like if if you were metalcore, like to a a metal elitist guy, they'd be like, no, I'm not having this. So yeah. I'd actually kept that that side of my uh, my influences quiet because I also grew up loving Hatebreed and Poison the Well and or Thrice right. or Deftones or whoever like loads of loads of bands or even like Jimmy Eat World. I listen to so much music. So uh, right. yeah, I, I like a lot of hardcore and stuff. Um, but yeah, thrash was something that I really got into. Like that was, thrash and death metal were like the two like the first like subgenres that I really like honed in on. And obviously when you're a kid and like you can get these Cannibal Corpse albums with like crazy front covers and and like yeah, yeah all this like Morbid Angel stuff I was yeah it's kind of like a rebellious thing I guess but yeah I got into those I remember I remember the age of CDs when we had to go somewhere to go buy them and it, you know like they you'd judge it if you didn't if you hadn't heard of the band yet we didn't have the internet so it just you'd judge it by the cover of it and how crazy it looked yeah, oh, like, yeah. oh this has got to be dope right because it's got all this stuff on the cover yeah it. yeah I'm gonna listen to this Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The good old days. Miss those things. Well, yeah, dude, thank you so much for joining me, man. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, let you get back to what you got going on over there. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us again. Uh, if you guys are watching this now, his preset pack is live at stltones.com. I promise you, if you're into high gain tones, you are in for something very, very special. I highly suggest you guys go and check that out. Josh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, man.